Hey there, listeners. Uh, welcome to another episode of the Leadership is Changing podcast. And I'm actually, I've interviewed a gentleman by the name of Adam Liat. And Adam is a 12-year veteran and, of course, been to a war. And uh, he's shared some really interesting things because he actually is the founder and director of an organization called Smooth Operations. And uh, we talk about that, actually, and about why it may be, you know, some some laughters about the song Smooth Operator. Okay, I, I, I do a podcast. I'm not going to be a singer. But, of course, um, what's really quite funny here is he talks a little bit about that story around the, the word Smooth Operator. But it really helps entrepreneurs create systems and workflows. You see, if you look at any successful business, individual, athlete, and so forth, they all tend to have systems and processes around them to help them be successful. And uh, he helps organizations do that. Now, the thing here is that uh, we shared various things as we were going through the interview. And I really like what he shared about his favorite leader. And uh, so, yeah, just listen to that piece, of course, and of course, the whole episode. But then the other thing, too, is he talked about how professionals adapt, which is really quite key. But the thing that sort of I thought well, was really cool was about doing the next right thing. And have a listen to all of this, what he's sharing in the, in the episode. He's a great guy. So sit back and enjoy the episode. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Hey there, listeners. Uh, great to have you with another wonderful episode uh, of the Leadership is Changing podcast. Got a great guest with me today. His name is Adam Liat. And Adam, a massive welcome to you. Oh, thank you so much, Dan. It's such a pleasure to be here today. So I'm looking forward to the, our conversation. Awesome. Here we go. So the title is called Leadership is Changing. And this is the episode. And listeners, Adam has uh, got a great background. And I'm going to get him to share a little bit more in a minute. But Adam, whereabouts in the world are you today? I'm in Ohio in the United States. Yeah, cool. And it's a special day today, right? Have you got some sort of anniversary? Well, on the day we're recording this, actually, it's Veterans Day here in America, and I am a veteran, so I uh, got mm. to uh, commemorate the morning with classroom discussions with young people, and it was wonderful. I got to talk to some uh, elementary students about my experience in the military, which was always a lot of fun. Right. Very good. Now, you're a 12-year veteran, and I see you in the U.S. Army Special Operations. Tell us more about your background. Sure. So, big picture, I've been a musician my whole life, started playing music at a very young age, and that was a driving force through most of my life. It led me into um, becoming a teacher and really was a big passion of mine. And the Army was kind of, a, oh, we got a war going on, and it was my turn. So, I was at that age where it, it felt like the right thing to do at that time and ended up making most of, I don't know, almost a full career out of it. I'm, I'm still actually in right now. I did 12 years active duty. I'm on year 17 in total service. I'm a reservist right now. Um, as I left active duty, I started, I went back to music. So I started working for a music education company 
and found myself quickly in a position of leadership as the first director of operations for that company and stayed there for about five years. And now I'm on my own coaching other entrepreneurs on operations and leadership. And now I see you've got a business called Smooth Operation. That's correct. Yeah, that's the name of the company in the course. It's uh, called Smooth Operations. Sort of brings me back that that song, Smooth Operator. Is that the one? Yes. yes. <laughs> well, there's a bit of a hidden joke in with it. When we first broke that, you know, seven-figure barrier, my then CEO got me a little bobblehead that said Smooth Operator, which this is an audio podcast, but I have a very, very smooth head. So it was kind of a play on words with my wonderful hairstyle. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I love that. Pretty cool. Yeah. Of course, you're going into the uh, stage, you know, season-wise, you're going in towards winter now. And so Correct. for you, what's the difference between for you and your business? Was there no difference at all around seasons, around summer and winter? Any, any difference at all? Well, I'm, I'm pretty new in my business right now, so I can't say that with any authority. I can say from the operator perspective, having run an online education course for several years, winter, it picks up. It cool. tends to pick up just because people are outside less. They're inside, you know, they're on their computers more. There's less distractions. And yeah, business always tends to pick up in this, in this niche during the winter months. Hey, Smooth Operations, what, what, are you, what do you actually do in that business? So it's an operations coaching program. So people join and they learn how to build systems, how to build processes, workflows, manage their team, build communication cadences, all with the end goal of removing the CEO from having to transactionally manage the day-to-day operations of the company and let them move into that visionary role that they really want to be in. So it's it's about building the business around a visionary entrepreneur. Oh, that's awesome. That's very, very cool. And I, listeners, you won't be able to see this, but I can see in this background that Adam's got some wonderful books here and three of them, .com Secrets, Expert Secrets, and Traffic yes. Secrets, and three wonderful books. If you haven't already read that, so listeners, by Russell Brunson, very, very good books. So yeah, I, I love what you actually just shared there about that kind of thing around operations and systems and so forth, because I think a lot of leaders today, it doesn't matter what size organization you're in today. You've got to have the right systems and processes around you. In other words, listeners, you can't be everything to everybody because if you're trying to do it all yourself, it ain't going to work. Well, it will work to a certain degree, right? But then, then it's a right. bit of a problem later on. Yeah. So, yep. Yeah. Awesome. Now, Adam, you're, we're going to be talking about leadership and changing and things like that. But how did you get into leadership? It started from a very early. My first job is I started working at McDonald's. I live in a very small farming town and McDonald's moved in. So I got a job at 15. By 16, I was a shift manager. I was the youngest shift manager there. Leadership continued through. I was a leader in a high school band. And then really where I really honed my main leadership skills was in the army. Joined the army at 23, was a sergeant by 24. Now I'm a a senior non-commissioned officer, so senior sergeant. And that all led the way to me becoming a, a director of operations. That's great. Oh, that's, that's a really great, cool experience. And I'll tell you what, a lot of people think about, oh, there's the pimply little kid in McDonald's and things like that. But I think McDonald's has great systems to teach people about how to work, work ethic, how to get things done, leadership, all of that. I think it's a great, great organization. 
in addition to you're in the service business, you're working with people, you have to learn how to treat people right. And that's a skill that will serve you for the rest of your life when you have to be on the other end of the angry customer. So my kids are just at that age where they're almost ready to start working and I, they're working at McDonald's. That's um, it's kind of a, a given from my end. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. And I don't think I could have worked at McDonald's because I, I would probably be eating too much of that food. <laughs> but we, we grew up in cafes. I mean, that's what we were. We were from the age of seven. We were in cafes working and really, mm. you know, learning a lot. And so I think that whole work ethic and understanding people and so forth is really important. And, and you know, I'm in the business of actually working with people, of course, around my exec coaching, facilitation, training, developing executives, leaders and teams. But life would be so much simpler without people. And I think that... Uh, it's more boring, that. though, too, right? I know, I know. Yeah. Hey, here's a question for you now. This person could be alive or from history. But who's your favorite leader and why? Oh, I have to go with George Washington. And I was actually just at Mount Vernon two weeks ago with my son's eighth grade class. And that just reinforced my absolute love for George Washington. Why? He was... He was a man of the moment. He didn't seek leadership. Leadership sought him. He didn't want to be the general in charge of the revolution. He did not want to be the first president of the United States. They came and got him. And so I think there's something to be said about serving to your highest capacity, even though it's maybe not what you wanted, not what you envisioned, but finding yourself in that role and doing it better than anyone and then when it's all over, going back to your quiet life. It's just so inspiring to me when he didn't pursue it. It just, it came to him. Mm. I, I love that kind of scenario because I think there's some people who want something or they want the title and things like that, but they're not, they, okay, they've got the title. But then if someone who right. says, no, I don't want to do it, but then it sorts them I th- or, you know, chases them to do it, I think it's pretty cool. I think it's really, really good. Now, mm-hmm. obviously, or well, I don't know. Obviously, you didn't meet George Washington in person, but I was going to say to you, if you were sitting on the park bench with him, what would be one question that Adam would like to ask him? I'd really like to know more about his relationship with Martha, because obviously war was very different back then. And I know what me and my wife had to go through with my time away at war. I'd love to know how they kept their marriage and love strong when they were so separated for so long. And there's something yeah. to be said about just the depth of that relationship and how do you build a relationship that deep? Yeah, uh, that's great. I, I think that's a cool question. Oh, geez. Wish we could actually find out the answer from him. It would have been right. really, really cool. Good, cool question. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Martha actually came to Valley Forge during the, the famous winter at, at Valley Forge. Martha left Mount Vernon and the comforts of the mansion to actually be with George and the troops during that most trying winter. So that was one example of Martha actually contributing, which is, I just learned that a couple weeks ago at Mount Vernon. It was really interesting. And that's leadership in itself. Uh, It is. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And uh, I think that could be a lot of it. It could be along the lines of, you know, rolling up your sleeve to go and be with people rather than sitting in the mansion. Could Could have easily stayed in the mansion, right? Could have easily stayed there and, you know, and the, and the warmth, if I could put it that way, but then, yeah, totally different. So mm. it'd be interesting yeah. to see what people do 
And I think, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm kind of a great believer it's about a lot of people talk about things, but I always go, <laughs> let's watch what they do. And that's where their actions speak a lot. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, and the title of the uh, episode, well, the, the, the show, the podcast is actually called Leadership is Changing. When I mention that title or that statement, what does that mean for you? I actually get really excited about it because leadership is, it's, it's moving in this re- awesome direction and it's always moving, right? It's leadership is not a static thing. It moves with the human experience. And so what that means for me is that I'm never done developing. I'm never done learning. I need to change as well with leadership, continue to better myself, double down on my own development. If self-development is not part of my professional personal cadence, I need to make it a part of my professional personal cadence because professionals adapt. Professionals learn new things and put it into their mix, put it into their, their workflows and how they're interacting with people. So I just see nothing but opportunities. It just makes me really excited to try to see what's coming next and put myself in front of there. Yeah. And when opportunities do come in front of you, and I think that that's where people, a lot of people say to others, oh, you're so lucky. And I'm like, (laughs) luck's got nothing to do with it. I think what it means is that you've been preparing. And when that opportunity appears, then it's when those two come together nicely. And others call it luck and things like that. Yeah. And I think that being able to adapt as a professional is very important. When things are happening, because, you know, COVID was a great example, but when things are being thrown at us, and even if I think about it from your military background and things like that too, when the, when we are in the midst of something happening and there's ambiguity or there's a whole lot of crap being thrown at us, what do you do? How do you adapt? Or do you just go into a, into a girl and, and hope for the best? Funny story. We, I was already in an online coaching course business when COVID hit. So we never stopped. Like we kept on going and kept doubling down. I think there's, there's two things to consider in moments of crisis. There's first off, like what image are you portraying to the world? Those that are watching you, do you seem calm? Do you seem collected or do you seem panicked? If you're panicked, everyone else will panic around you. You need to steady yourself and focus on the now. And as far as what I do as a leader, um, I have two young daughters, so I, I stole my mantra from the movie Frozen. It's all about doing the next right thing. If you're just doing the next right thing, don't worry about five steps from now, but worry about just doing the next thing and focusing on that and getting one thing knocked down after another, after another. That's how you're going to push through those really hard times and, and those crisis moments. And when your team sees you doing that, when they see you taking action with that calm, stoic manner and that vision of we're going to get through this. That's when you pull people along with you. That's when you're not only telling them it's going to be okay, but you're showing them. And people respond to that. People just, they just do. And I've, I've seen it time and time again. I love that. I love what you just shared. Doing the next right thing. And I think that's really, really important here. Actually, I don't know if you know the diver, Greg Lagunas, if you've, or if you've heard oh, yes. of yeah, yeah, you're right. And he smashes head on the board on the way down in the Barcelona uh, Olympics and so forth. And then the story was that he came back and he actually won the gold medal. But he was interviewed in Sydney, Australia, three months later, asking him when he was facing ambiguity, media had written him off and all that kind of stuff. What did he do to help himself go forward and actually win that gold, that gold medal? And he says, you have to do all the right things from all the wrong places. 
And I think it's mm. in, uh, what you just said there is about doing the next right thing. And I think that's just very similar, right? And it's about doing things, but it's about getting up and going all that. Well, you know, people are going to face things and we are going to have things hit us and so forth. But yeah, you're right. It's, it's hard. Yeah. Now tell me something. I think as an entrepreneur or a business owner, would, do they have to do that quite often? In other words, do the next right thing? Or does that actually mean the same thing? Doesn't matter what leadership role you've got, whether it's in the military, whether it's in a large corporate, does mm-hmm. it matter? I, I don't believe so. When I do my daily planning and my weekly planning, it's it's just about putting things in order and racking and stacking them. And just, like what makes sense for me to do that keeps me in momentum. It keeps me in a, a state of abundance and working from a place of of alignment and purpose, making sure everything's lined up with my end goal. So no, I don't think it does. I think, I think it becomes more transparent and more noticeable during times of crisis. But when you're operating from that next right thing perspective, it's, it becomes a, a state of being. Yeah. Great. And you said just mentioned there that you're doing your daily planning or your weekly planet planning. How long do you plan for? In other words, how much time do you put into it? My daily planning is very short. It takes maybe 10, 15 minutes max. And this is just quiet time I have in my office before getting started for the day. And really, it just aligns me. It gives me that that checklist every day to go through. And then I actually end up revisiting my daily planning at the end of the day uh, to work on uh, really, really take stock of what I did accomplish. Where are my wins for the day? What did I, what can I be proud of? And not only the good things, but also where was I uncomfortable? through the day. So mm-hmm. daily planning is a two-step process. It's the start of day stuff. You're setting your intention for the day. Then at the end of the day, you're reviewing it, celebrating your wins, and then taking stock of where you were uncomfortable so you can grow from that opportunity. Yeah, I like that. Because the, the uncomfortable piece or the, there's areas where we can learn and grow from that. And I think that's really important. Listeners, if you're not really doing this and you're not taking time out to reflect, like Adam just talked about, and Seeing whereby things were uncomfortable for you, it's where we can learn. But also going back to what Adam was talking about before around systems and processes, if there are things that you're doing and you're finding that you're having to do it more than once, then maybe you need to set up a system or a process around that and, uh, and pull it together. And I, and I know Adam will be agreeing with that for sure in that spot. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, for a lot of leaders today, Adam, I mean, going on to what we just said there about systems and processes, I, I, I mean, is it really important for them to make sure that they've got systems and processes around them, not just in the big sort of like the, the, the business operational stuff, but them as an individual? Should they have systems and processes around themselves? I have a system for almost everything. I, I use a project management software called Asana. And from the day I woke, wake up or the moment I wake up, Asana governs my day. My morning routine is written down and in sequence. I do it in the same order every day. I, 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 systems, workflows, SOPs, they give me strength because they take away the guesswork. So even something as simple as preparing for this interview, I have a process to prepare for an interview that takes about 10 minutes, but I do the same thing each and every time. What does that do for me as a person? It puts me in alignment. It, It allows me to come in here from a place of abundance, from a place of clarity. I can shed all the other stuff I've been doing for the rest of the day so I can focus just this while I'm here. And then I'm going to jump off this call and I'm going to go into another system to prepare for my next thing. 
So I find that entrepreneurs, we, we, we need our free time. We need our creative time when we're building. And everything else can be systematized. And when we do that, we're actually freeing up a lot of brain matter and a lot of free space in our brain. Better focus on the hard task because everything else, we're just working from a checklist. Yeah, that, that, what you just said there is really cool because I think that's not just entrepreneurs. I'm actually seeing that the leaders that I'm actually coaching in large corporates as well, they are struggling. Oh, I don't have time. I'm overwhelmed. All the stuff happening and I'm going like, well, where's your systems? Where's this? I don't have it. And they're not even taking time out to plan. You know why, Adam? Because I don't have time. I don't and I'm like, right. <laughs> exactly. It's the old chestnut excuse. But I go, well, yes, but you need to plan. So then you do have time to free you up. Yes. And it's a very much a freeing kind of exercise to free you up, to allow you to focus on the next right thing. Right. I have a client who was in the same kind of situation. He's like, Adam, I can't do a strategic thinking. I can't do a strategic plan. I'm too busy. I'm like, no, you aren't. And I'm, I put him up in a hotel for three days. And I, and I said, you're going to take three days to really do this. And when he shed the rest of the world and was able to focus for three days and not think of anything else, he came out and said, I know what the next three years look like. I'm like, there you go. Three days, the next three years. Look at that. Amazing. What a great investment, eh? Yes, for sure. So, so he was in a hotel room, so he had no interruptions, turned everything off so then he could focus on what he needed to get on with. And then out as a result of that, he's come out with a fairer or some more clarity around where he wants to go the next three years. Exactly. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, there you go. The whole podcast, this whole podcast is about not just about leadership is changing, but it's also about to help the hotel industry. And um, booking rooms for you to go off and <laughs> for you to go off and do some planning and things like that. But I think it's it, it's spot on in the sense that we do need to take time out. We need to yeah. allow ourselves that space. Think, and I think that's really really important. Mm. Very good. And schedule. Now, if it's not scheduled, you're not going to do it. So put it on your schedule. Yeah, of course. If it's not on there, it won't happen. Yep. Now, you and I um, have been talking about technology and systems and processes and things like that. What we're finding is that the world is getting faster. We know one thing that is constant, that is change, but we're finding that the world is getting faster and faster through technology, but in data, business, social, all sorts of different areas. What makes a leader successful today in this fast-paced, fast-paced changing, changing world? That was a bit of a tongue twister, wasn't it? Yes. I think there's a... That's a great question. And I think there's a, a lost art, especially with how fast things is and how much time we're spending with these text-based communications. And that's the, the skill of active listening, mm. really listening to someone. I find so many people, I found this with leaders in the military as well. They spend their whole time either just waiting for their turn to talk. I found as a leader with a team, I've solved so many problems by not saying a word by just allowing my team members to just talk and just me being an active participant in conversation and the, the problems with that of solving themselves because I just took the time to listen and ask questions, be curious and be genuinely caring towards my team members. And it's just, it made such a big difference as we were scaling the company. That's huge. That's big because 
I like what you just said there about I actually don't even say much. I just sit back and let them talk about it because I actually think the same thing too, Adam, is that people think that they have to respond to an email. And I'm like, well, if you wait a little bit longer, you might actually find that it might get resolved by itself or people resolve it, right? And right. that goes back probably to the along the lines of leaders trying to be everything to everybody. And they don't need to yes. have the answers. They don't have to provide everything because you've got some very intelligent people around you. Let them get into it. Let them be what they, they're doing. I think also the other thing that you're talking about around the active listening and that skill set, I think it's really important to hear what people are saying and being really present with them. But I'm also going to say, probably we also need to listen to our, ourselves as well, our body, what's going on in our mind, try and correct that or help that along. So if we can have the active listening in that space too, that'd be a mm. very cool space to look at too. I have not thought about that, but that's an interesting point. Mm. You have to journal on that topic. Yes. There you go. Hey, see, that goes back to the, the never ending development that we're doing. That was one of our previous questions. It's great. Yeah. Very good. Now, you and I have been talking about leaders and leadership and from that lens, but if we change lens now and talk about employees, and I'm, and I know you, you, you've, you work with employees and things like that, and we've been employees in the past. But has employees' expectations of leaders changed? Absolutely. I think so. I found with my own team members, I need to facilitate more support to them. The idea of putting someone out on an island or just transactionally managing them to death is just going away. At least with the, the, the people I've worked with, especially in any intellectual endeavors, and especially when working with high performers, having mechanisms for them to reach out for them to get that pat on the back, to be able to vent, to be able to just have someone to listen to them. It's it's all about support. And what I try to do is I build a cocoon, like a network of support around my team so that you feel it from all angles. It's not just in the SOPs. It's not just in the processes. It's not just in the meetings, but it's this all-encompassing web that surrounds you in that, in that feeling that no matter where you turn, someone's there to help you. Even if it's mm. you know, like a, a can thing that we built six months ago, but it's a video that's there to walk you through a process. It's about knowing that the support is there. Mm. Mm. And is that going back to the SOPs as you re you sort of suggested before? Standard operating procedures is that the right? That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. So, so using videos to help people train people that they can go back to it at any time and know that that's there available for them to help them through things. Is that mm -hmm. what you're all saying? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great thing. And I heard someone the other day saying, you know, you're not having to train people all the time as you're using the system or you're using the video, train them all the time. So you don't have to always be there. Exactly. Yes. Those are great assets that we create once and then we'll have, to, you will have to revise it. So it's not a one and done. I won't say, I won't claim that because technology can change, processes are going to evolve. But man, it's so much easier just to, do it, place it inside your workflows and have it there and makes the train up way, way easier when you're bringing new team members on board as well. Yeah. Yeah. You're not having to reinvent the wheel every single time. Mm. Oh, it's exhausting. You're tired. And, uh, and I actually think that a lot of organizations, what you'll see is that people leave within six months of them actually starting a job. Why? The onboarding experience has been terrible. It's just yes. been shocking. And so for them, what you're just talking about, Adam, there, it actually helps with the onboarding and bring them on board beautifully and, and to, to help them move through. 
And there's an SOP for onboarding too. <laughs> it all builds on itself. But you're right to say that onboarding is, is so critical. Those first 90 days that someone's with you are the make and break time. You can, you can have someone love you or to hate you in 90 days. It's funny. We once hired someone and he was hired as a part time person. I knew from the moment I met her, I'm like, you are a rock star in the making and I need to double down these 90 days and we're going to make you into a rock star and you're going to love this company so much. You're going to abandon everything else. And within 180 days, she was full time. Uh, so mission accomplished. It was really doubling down in that 90 days and like letting her just feel that support and feel that this is a different company. This is going to be a different experience for you. What did it ultimately do? It set her up for tremendous success. And as a result, the company for tremendous success. Mm. Yeah, very good. That's excellent. All righty. So we, we have been going through some things here and we've been talking about what we've been doing, but let's talk about the future. <laughs> let's get the, the crystal ball out and start talking about where do you see leadership being in five years? You know, I was reading on LinkedIn this morning and there's an article on how remote work opportunities are drying up. It's like down to from 18% to 12%. And I just think that's a mistake. I think workers want and demand more flexibility. If we can count one good thing that COVID gave us was the absolute explosion of remote work, not only in uh, the technology that facilitates it, the ability for uh, companies to work within those new paradigms, but also for employees to start working there and realize that they, many of them love it, many of them don't like it, and that's okay. But I think we're moving increasingly in that direction. So leadership needs to embrace that new paradigm from my perspective and accept that remote work is here to stay. And actually, as someone who's hired many people, I love remote work because the world is my marketplace and I can hire from anywhere and I'm no longer geographically bound. And I see so many benefits and I think as leaders, it's going to be up to us to determine how to best facilitate the interoperability and interaction that we get in an office environment in a remote environment. How do we best do that? I think there's no one-size-fits-all answer, but I think there's a whole lot of tactics that we're just really beginning to understand. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's cool because on Twitter this morning, when I was up really early to prepare for today's meetings and things like that and getting my day ready, there was this this one comment by, so we had local elections here. So it's different to the US, but we had local elections. So we've got like in a county, you've got like a, I don't know what you call it, but we call it a mayor as well mm-hmm. and so forth. And and so in our town and its largest city in New Zealand, there are several people going for the for the mayor of, of Auckland. And so one one of them pulled out. Now he put a Twitter to a message to the the, the mayor of the Auckland to say, you better bring back all the 25,000, whatever, employees for the city council back into the office now and, and demand that they all come back into the office. And what he's doing is he's actually a business owner, but he's, the reason he's doing it is because he wants people to come back into the city to help small businesses and things like that. And okay. he's he's been slammed big time. Why? Because people are saying, but that's not how we work anymore. No. So I get what he's saying from his perspective because businesses have built their businesses around the city and things like that. But now what you're finding is that people are working from home. And so it's actually bad out, out on the suburbs now is where people are. And so people are saying, no, we're glad you didn't become the mayor because you're very much the <laughs> command and control kind of guy. 
but also right. the fact that you don't get where the world is going and how leadership has changed. And so yeah. it's quite interesting to see. It's funny because I helped build a multi-seven-figure company almost from the ground up. And I didn't meet my business partner, the CEO, until September. Like just this last September. I've been working for him for five years. We built a multi-million dollar company together. Never met in person once. It's not necessary. And, and it's, there's just so many different ways of doing things now. So I'm, I'm just going to keep leaning into it. Yeah. And Bill, I'm, I'm laughing here thinking, so when you did meet him, were you okay then still? Or, or uh, you were like, oh, disappointed. <laughs> Honestly, it was weird. I think I'm like, you're, you're shorter than like, I thought you'd be. Like, it's just, well, can yeah. we just go back on? You go to that side of the conference room. I'll go to this side. We'll get back on Zoom. That's my comfort zone. Because <laughs> it's really interesting, isn't it? It's, 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 it's sometimes Zoom is it's like TV. You see that, but then you meet the person in person, and it's like, oh, it's not actually who I thought you were, or you're a little bit different to what I actually thought. Even though we have videos on on these right. different tools and that, so it's really quite interesting. That's where I was going with that. Is that I, I interviewed somebody on an episode for the podcast, and he said, "How do you manage somebody you've never met?" And I was like, well, that's a very good question. And, and with the pandemic and us being locked down, there are people who work for organizations for a year or two and they still haven't even met their boss or their team members, that, you know, their, their peers. And so it's totally different and interesting to see. Well, I think that's a matter of the uh, evolution of what, what does the word met mean? I feel like I've known this guy for many years. He's one of the people I'm closest to in the world. And we've met on Zoom. I mean, what's the difference? It's Amazing. Just, it's just a communication forum. Yep, exactly. Exactly. Well, Adam, hey, it's been a real pleasure talking to you today. If our listeners are wanting to get a hold of you, where should they go? Yeah, it's been so much fun. I, I really love this topic. So thank you for inviting me, Dennis. You can find me on my site. It's adamliette.com. So A-D-A-M-L-I-E-E-T-E. I do provide operational coaching. For entrepreneurs specifically, I, I'm focusing on the e-learning niche. Um, that's my my passion is so course creators and coaches and uh, happy to help you in any way I can. There you go. Well, wonderful. Thank you, Adam. And so listeners, thanks for joining us. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world. 